let every word spoken in your house be a word of faith. Every word, measure every word. Church, we're going to measure every word, that every word in our house are words of faith. This is no time to faint. This is no time to fall back. This is no time to say, what are we going to do? The other day, uh, Debbie and I looked around, and we said, dear Lord, you know, there's pressure here, and there's pressure there. And we just laughed and said, dear Lord, you know, the devil's still trying. He's still trying. And, we've, you know, we've, been, we've had pressure. We've been in the ministry 25 years, and there's been pressure seemingly unimaginable at certain times where you just go, I can't take any more. We're about to bust. And, you know, the, the, Lord, the Lord delivered us out of it all. And we go, well, dear Lord, if we got delivered back then, what is this? What new thing is this? It's just an old thing reworked. Amen? Do you have something? Hallelujah. So, so you just need to know he has nothing new, nothing new. <laughs> He's just working the same old tired thing against you. And you need to refresh yourself in victories. You know, I just stirred myself up and I said, well, we've been here. Didn't know as much. Didn't, wasn't as strong. Did, you know, was pretty clueless, pretty vulnerable. And the Lord delivered us then. Well, then what about now? Hallelujah. So it's okay. The Shunammite woman said, all is well. Let's say it together. All is well. Point to yourself and say it. All is well. Now, it's not just because, you know, the, everything's going to be okay. It's not just going to everything will be okay. There's people in a world hurt, and nothing's going to be better unless they turn to the Word, unless they turn to the Lord, unless they change their way. But for you, hallelujah, all is well, because we are basing our life on this Word. And trouble has come. Do not be surprised. James says even get excited about it because it's a new opportunity to see the Lord change and move in your life. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for the word this morning, and we just rejoice that you have looked down upon us this day with a fresh word, a word of life, a word of turnaround, a word of increase and promotion. Oh, Father, there's just there's a renewal here. There's refreshing here. And we are a people, Father, that want to walk above knowledge. Lord, not just to know some things, not just to have a get better mentality or a help along, but Father, we want to be that people that walk by revelation, that live by revelation, that have the light shining inside of us, and that that light shining inside of us for revelation shines out of us for increase and for your glory. So this morning, we give opportunity by giving ourselves to the Word of God, both to minister it and to hear it, Lord, that we might be ministers thereby. And so, Father, we give attention here. We, we tell our body, you're not tired. We tell our minds, you are alert. We tell our heart, you are receiving the engrafted word that is able to save your soul. Today, Lord, healing will come. It'll rise up in our flesh. Our members will be increased. Lord, finances, opportunities, and revelations, visions, and dreams will be on the increase as we let the word do the work. Hallelujah. And, Lord, the devil, we trouble the devil. Where the devil's been a trouble, now we trouble the devil. Hallelujah. It's going to cost him to mess with us because the word of God is living in us. Lord, we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, turn in your Bible with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Chronicles. You know, there's a, there's a key to your life, whether you've known it or not, but if you're born again this morning, the first key to your life to have anything going on in your life is to get born again. There is just nothing going on till you get saved. And I'm not talking about just getting in church or having some Christian friends or, you know, doing better. We're talking about getting born again, having a revelation of the greater one living inside of you. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Amen. But after you get born again, 
you don't know anything. Do you remember that day after you got born again? <laughs> Dumb as a stump, because everything that you did know was suspect. You were so full of knowledge and such a smart guy, and all of a sudden you're born again, and all that stuff had to be thrown out. We had to empty the trash. And here you are. You hadn't got anything coming in yet, and everything that you had went out, and there you are, just dumb as a post. And so the, the next thing you had to do was to get understanding. You had to go to the Word of God. You had to get around like precious faith. Well, you don't even know who that is. You have people come in here, and they don't know if I'm preaching a good sermon or a bad sermon because, you know, a lot of them, they don't know. They're just in, out of the world. And so they don't know. They just go by where the bathroom's clean. And did they take care of my kid back there in the nursery? That's, how, that's what they know about church. But your whole goal, now that you're born again, is to get understanding, to sort it out, to, to figure it out. To, 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 because the first thing you find out is that you can't do it all. Life is too big. Well, I want to go snow skiing. I want to climb a mountain in Oregon. I want to go in the Rockies. I want to go up the Appalachians. I'd like to see New York City. I'd like to go. You know, everybody's got a list that's as long as their arm. But, you know, there's a list in life that there's more to do now that the world has shrunk. Anything you wanted to do, you could do it. If you wanted to go to Kenya, if you wanted to go to Indonesia, you could do it. But you can't do it all. So you've got to have understanding about what there is available to you in your life. And then you've got to have a wherewithal of what to do of the things that you have available to do. And it's called choosing. You've got to choose. Every day you've got to get up and you've got to set your life that day. Because there's not enough to do it all. You want to do something next Tuesday? Well, you fill it with things that you'd love to do. But, you know, if you're working eight hours, well, there's, there's half the day. And then... So you got to choose. And you know, the Bible says that he'll redeem the time for us. Aren't y'all glad that the Lord said he'd redeem the time? That's a twofold meaning. He'll redeem and make up for the time that you blew for those years. When I got uh, spirit-filled, got the Holy Ghost, well, I complained to the Lord. It's the only time I've ever complained to him. And I said, I'm 25, almost six years old, and here I am. All these Pentecostal boys running around have been speaking in tongues for all this time, and I'm just now finding out there be a Holy Ghost. And what's up with that? And he said, I'm going to redeem the time for you. I'm going to catch you up. And the second thing is, is he'll redeem the time. He'll just make your day have more stuff in it. But it's a thing based on priority. Say priority. priority. So you got to get in priority. you got to get understanding, and then you got to get in priority. Say priority. priority. Now, family, that's your, that's your business. That's your life. You don't have to be real spiritual. What you have to do is say, I'm going to get in priority. Because you can't do it all. So if, if you're carnal, you'll just do whatever comes by first. Well, I want that candy bar, and I want that cookie, and I want to ride that motor scooter, and I want to, you know, you'll just do whatever. The carnal man just sees it and says, I want it. Well, yeah, we would all would like to get into that. But there's not enough. Whatever you do that's not in that plan, the plan of God, if you do something else, then there's not enough time, energy, or money to do what you're supposed to do. You've, you run out of day. You run out of month. You run out of life. So here we see in 2 Chronicles, chapter 1, verse 6. You've got to get understanding. You're going to have to get in wisdom. That's what your job is as a Christian. You know, if you'll get in priority, God will take care of it. I said it'll be a done deal if you'll just get in priority. That is the biggest challenge you have is to get in priority every day. I said to get in priority every day. What are you going to do when you get up? Well, that determines a lot about what you can do the rest of the day. Look what it says here in verse 6. It says, Solomon went up thither. Have y'all ever went up thither? 
to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation, and offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it. Colin was talking about getting up and offering one. Well, he had a busy morning. I, I bet he had some help. In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, what, Ask what I shall give thee. Now here you can see that God was affected by what he did that morning. What he did in the morning affected God. Now I'd say he had a good day. Did everything you do last Thursday, did it affect God? Did it move the kingdom? I submit to you it'd be better if we had a day that moved the kingdom rather than just moved us. I just cringe when people say, oh, I'll be glad when this week is over. I'll be glad when this month is over. You know, we, we ought not to be wishing time away. <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, aren't y'all amazed sometimes that, that people don't have anything to say back to God? But he did. He said, thou hast shown great mercy unto David my father and hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established. For thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people? And God said to Solomon, Because this was in thine heart, and thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies, Neither yet hast asked thou long life, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people, over whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, neither shall there any after thee have the like. And how many of you all know historically, not just in the Bible, Solomon is known as the richest man. He's known. It's a fact. So you ask any heathen, and they'll tell you Solomon had it. Well, how did Solomon get it? Well, he didn't just work hard. He didn't have a little, you know, a day job, and then he had a job at Hardee's, you know, cleaning up in the back, and then he went from there to Lowe's and stocked all night. No, he, he put first things first. He got into priority. And there's certain things that when you do them first have the ability to create other things. But you have to do them first. And so Solomon said, Lord, I want wisdom. I want knowledge. I want understanding. And the Lord said, well, we'll just go straight to the other stuff then. I'll just take care of the rest of it. How about that? Isn't that cool? Turn with me, if you would, Mark chapter 10. We're talking about the first things. You know, I don't want to live my one and only life. Say one and only life. You know, you only have a one and only life. I don't want to live my one and only life in vain. It, more than anything, I don't want to just go through this life and just be marked by some stone out in the cemetery and say, well, I wonder what, wonder what they said about him. It's amazing to me the great things that men do and the great laud that we give them on their funeral, on their, their passing, but that in three weeks, but that in six months, if they didn't get written down in a history book, nobody even knows. Life just goes on. I said, You're, you put a finger in a glass of water and pull it out, and there's no hole. It just covers right in. And so we have to make our life count in God. Mark chapter 10, verse 28. We're looking at the first things. It says here, uh, then Peter began to say unto him, lo. Now this then here that's following 
is talking about Jesus saying, uh, rich men, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And so Peter discusses that with him, and he said unto him, Lo, we've left all, and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, nor brethren, or sisters, or father or mother, or wife, or children or lands, for my sake and the gospel's. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Say right now. Right. Houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. A little, little addition there. But many that are first shall be last and the last first. People said, well, I'd like to follow you, Lord, but I got to go home and take care of my father. Or I got to go, I've bought a field and I got to go see the field. Or I've got some new oxen and I got to go check them out. Or I've married a wife and I've got to go home and take care of her. And Jesus talked about, you know, yeah, that stuff's important. That stuff's not evil. But he said, if you don't put the things of the kingdom first, all you'll have is that stuff. Did you hear that? Here he said, these people that put the, put the kingdom first, all those things that they set aside, he said, I'm going to put that back in your life. It's supernatural, y'all. It's God's plan for your life. He shows up, but the wisdom of this world can't see it. I said, it's right there in black ink on white paper. It's there for anybody to read. You could read it, and you could look at it, and you could discover the secret, the mystery uncovered for you and I. But it's right there, but they can't see it. You have to see it with different eyes than what the world sees this stuff with. And even just being born again, just being a Christian, just being a child of God doesn't make you able to see it. You've got to have an attitude. You've got to have a perspective. It's kind of like those funny glasses sometimes you put on, and you put them on, and you can see things through those glasses that you can't see through the regular vision. Well, you've got to put on a different eye like Solomon did. Solomon had meditated. He had looked into his heart. He had, he had weighed his life. He had looked at the future. He had looked at what he was as a flesh man in the marvelous kingdom of God. And he had come with an answer before the question had been asked. Well, you've got to ask the question in your own heart. You've got to get ready because it's certainly going to be asked, and you're going to have to have a quick answer. You can't just mail it back in saying, Lord, I changed my mind. After thinking about it for six months, I've decided I'm going to do better with my answer. No, it's going to have to come quickly. Wisdom's going to have to be down inside, isn't it? Priorities are going to have to be set. Priority is important. Not only is it just important to God that you want to please him and you want to do right by him and you know you want to do the right thing, he said he'll be a rewarder here. If you'll put him first, put his kingdom first, he'll take care of the rest of it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, these things are spiritually discerned. There'll be people here this morning that say, well, you know, what is he talking about? And someone sitting next to somebody, right next to him will go, man, I have just discovered, I've just heard the key to my life. I'm set free. And same information. So it's more than information. It's got to be revelation. There's very few people that live by revelation. Very few. But you can. You just got to turn it on. You just got to say, that's what I'm going to do. But to do that, to live by revelation, you've got to leave some things. You've got to leave the information and the character of this world, and you've got to embrace the things of the kingdom. Well, you're here this morning, so you've got that. But there's some things that you're going to have to leave. Reasoning is, not, reasoning is not a factor in your life anymore. We just hear what God says, and we just obey. We don't reason. It is not our lot to reason. You think you're smart? Ha! You don't have nothing compared to the Holy Ghost. 
He's already figured it out and set it in order for you and set people in course. There's people for the plan of God for your life that have already been set on a course to meet you with supplies and favor and open doors and things that are just reserved for you. If you'll just get on the course, you'll be there when they are, and and they'll deliver you everything you need. You'll have a blessed life. But if you think about it, if you reason on it, if you say, man, I don't want to run. Where's that runner, Nigel, this morning? Now, why did you run this morning? Why'd you go around the course of the room? Well, what did it do for you? Well, what did it do for me? You know, you can't figure that stuff out. You can't say, well, now we need to get to the, we need to analyze this. No, we can't do that. We got to obey God because to obey him is already blessed. Second Corinthians chapter four, just to get a context, we'll go to verse 17 says for our light affliction. Now, how many of y'all know that when Paul says light affliction, he's the boy that's just been, uh, you know, in shipwrecks and beat with rods and left for dead and my light affliction. Yeah, we've had some things. I don't want to talk about it, but which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. But how does that, how do you get that, Paul? While we look not at the things that are seen, he's talking about priority here. He's talking about entering into something by drawing out of something else. He said, yeah, it's out there to look at. Yeah, you can see it. You can, you can listen to it. You can pay attention to it. You can get it in your life. But he said, but if you want to have the things of life just be a light affliction that will work profit to you, he said, we can't look at the things which are seen. What do we look at, Paul? We look at the things which are not seen. Why, Paul? Because the things which are seen are temporary, subject to change. Boy, how many of you all know that? Who's subject to change? You think you got something going at your job? You're at the top of the heap. It's you've worked your little your little self, and you've you know you've done without, and you've missed church, and you hadn't read the Bible, and you hadn't prayed. But man, you got it at the job. It's paying off. It's going to be the big deal. It's going to be an investment. That's going to and you know when you get that thing nailed down, then you're going to go pray, and then you're going to get faithful, and then you're going to give. And all of a sudden, the foundation of that job rips out, and all of a sudden, things change beyond anybody's control. Your boss said, honey, I'm sorry. We, we, ne- we intended to do right by you, but it's just out of my hands. And the, thi- the things which you see are subject to change. And all of a sudden, you hadn't got a foundation in your life in God, and you hadn't got a great job either. You just erased it all, and you got to start over. I don't want to start over. I said, I don't want to begin anew. I don't want to put my trust in things that are temporal, that are subject to change. He said the things which are not seen, what does he say about them? He said they're eternal. They don't ever change. Well, that's where I'm going to put my trust. How about you? Because the Word says that our life is like but a vapor. It's just a breath. So you better get it right the first time because you're not going to be around here long enough to do it again. Now turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. He's talking about making choices there, prioritizing, looking at the things which are not seen. Don't be looking at the things which are seen because they'll mess you up. It'll get you off track. It'll distract you. It'll be hard on you to obey when you have that much information in your life, when you know that much about the world, when you know how bad it is out there, when you know how rough it is out there. It'll be hard for you to jump except out of fear, and that won't last. Are you all with me this morning? Matthew chapter 6, we looked at this last week, and we're going to just look at it again. Verse 30, the Lord Jesus is speaking there, and he's in context here, talking about people being caught up with the world, taking their whole life to live their life, requiring all 24 hours of their day 
to function, requiring every single person that can give them aid, that can help them, that they can tap in order to make it using every resource, using every moment of free time in their head, every, every creative thought just to cope, to, to survive, just to make it. It's just not our lot. That's where we were, but that's not who we are now. I said, we got the mind of Christ now. And we're just not supposed to be laboring and encumbered with the things of this world. I know, you all know, we all have said, if I, when I get that thing fixed, when I get that thing settled, then it's going to be okay. I'm just working hard on it because that thing has got to be dealt with. And when I get it, well, I'll be able to serve God. And how many of y'all know it's got somebody behind it? It's got a thing behind it that's just as bad or worse that just steps up. As soon as you slay that giant, well, here comes big brother. And it's just like, well, where'd he come from? Well, you know, if you look a little high, look a little low, you'll see it's a, like a domino line back there. You'll never get to the end of trouble. So you just need to quit trying to work that deal. Jesus said in verse 30, he talked about the kingdom. He said, wherefore, if God, the contrast here, making this in perspective, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, because of that, therefore, take no thought. The word there is anxious thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. One time I found a translation. I've lost it, but the word there was translated scrounge. That word for seek was the Gentiles scrounge. Now, I don't know if that's an Alabama word. I did import that from Texas, but... You know, if you're scrounging around, you know, you're at the bottom of some barrel. You're, you're digging. You're, you're under the barrel. You're scrounging. I don't know if that's a good word here or not, but for all those things do the Gentiles seek. Not just looking like, well, it doesn't matter. We'll get out there on a 60-day plan. No, they're scrounging. They're, look, they're trying to eat today. He said, but for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Say these things. Now, I want to use that word later about these things because he said these things are what the Gentiles are seeking after. It's just what they do, and it takes all their life to live their life seeking after things. And you never get enough. You know, well, you get the new toaster, and you get the new microwave, and you get the new washing machine. Well, honey, we're fixed. I mean, with this, this has got a 20-year warranty. We, we'll never need another appliance. We'll never need another thing. How many of y'all know that's just that's bad theology? If you're married, that's just never going to work. Hallelujah. Because, you know, that was white. In two years, we'll need a blue one or a green one. And that one just has four buttons on it. Wow, we need the extra spin cycle here or something. So you never get to the end of it. How old do you have to be to know this stuff? Older than most people. Hallelujah. So he said, after all these things do the Gentiles scrounge. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Verse 33, but seek ye first. Say first. first. Let's say it better first. Now, see, it's not a thing that says we're not going to seek God. We're not talking to a bunch of heathens here that just said, you people need to get saved. You need people need to try to find God. No, we're, we're planning on putting him in. We're planning on getting involved. We're planning on reading our Bible. We're planning on listening to that tape set. We're planning on praying. But we just right now are encumbered. We just got things going. We just got so much day, so much time, so much. We got responsibilities. We got family. We got a job. We got a new business, and we've invested in it. And God expects us to do right, and he does. But he has a way for you to do right by him 
and by everything he's put you over. And he said, it's the seek ye first, the kingdom of God system. Well, what does that mean, Lord? Of course you want yours first. Of course you're going to say, I'm first in line. He said, well, if you put me first in line, all these things, what are these things? The things the Gentiles seek, the things that we need. He knoweth ye have need of all these things. What things? The things that the Gentiles want, the heathen. See, we've had this religious thing that says, well, you know, the Gentiles, the heathens, they get all the fun stuff, but us holy people, we need to get an ox cart, come to church, and get our best flower sack dress out. No, he said, you ought to have everything that the heathen thinks are pretty. You ought to have everything the heathen thinks. That's fine. That's, woo, I bet that's nice. I just found out this week that this new little Honda that I got's got a five-speed automatic in it. And I said, gosh, I, I never had anything that had five speeds that didn't have a clutch in it. <laughs> I didn't even know they made five-speed automatics. But here we got one. Hallelujah. I don't know what it does or what it means, but it's like, well, that's got to be better than four. Amen. Or two, yeah, I had, a, I had a Chevrolet Impala, and I'm telling you, this is God's honest truth. It had a two-speed, high-dramatic transmission. That thing would turn, I don't know why, but it would turn 65 in low gear. Of course, that means you had to keep it in low till you were going 65. Now, what little 18-year-old fool would be doing that? <laughs> and then you, when you hit it up into second, because it only had second... Well, then it, it hit a real whine, you know, whoom, and you hit second, and then you were on your way to 100. Two gears. Well, I'm just saying that God wants you to have the best there is. Now, you can fight that, and you can say, well, that's not holy, and that'll corrupt people, and that'll make people bad, and it has. But it wasn't, it, they were just as corrupt and evil with having nothing as they were when they got something. It's just the something showed it up. I said it just came to light when everybody got something. Poor people are some of the greediest people there are. Self-centered, oh, you get a poor person, and they'll fight you for a piece of bread, and you'll just pass it, you know, I don't need that. So here it is, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, or his way of doing business, and all these things shall be added. So there's a system of increase that if you will do, if you'll engage certain things in a certain order, they have the ability, the doing of certain things has the ability to create other things. Actually, the other things being the things that it takes all of the Gentiles, it takes their whole life to get. In other words, they can't serve God because it takes all of their life to live their life. And God said, if you'll take a part of your life and put it first with me, that what takes the whole life of a Gentile, I'll just give it to you carte blanche. I'll just put it on top. That's what he told Solomon. He said, you want wisdom? He said, just get it mine first, put it in order, and all that other stuff will just be added. Only God can do that. Seek first the kingdom. All of a sudden, it comes in order. It comes in priority. It comes in right. So, we looked at in verse 33, all these things shall be added. That word added is the word increased. Write it in your Bible. Hallelujah. And it's also the word repeated. All these things shall be repeated. So, when mama wants the green dishwasher with the extra button, and two years later, the magazine's all got gold going... Well, we just come get her a gold one and put another button on it or whatever. He said it'll be repeated. All the things the Gentiles seek, 
Well, you know, if you have that kind of mentality, you, you quit seeking that stuff. You're not fighting for it. You're not making deals with God. Lord, I'd love to come to church. I'd love to give. But, man, I got a, I got a life to live here. See, if it's being added, increased, and repeated to you, then you don't, you don't have to fight for it. You don't have to invest your life to keep your place in line with the world in order to get what's yours. You just keep giving it to God, and God just keeps sending it. I said it just keeps coming, and you don't have to fight for it. Wouldn't that be a change of life, not to have to fight for the things of life? Well, we don't know anything else. I said almost all, nobody knows that kind of life. Only the rich people know that. And rich people, if you'll read about them, and I read about rich people. I study millionaires. I study the wealthy. I study how they think because they have a flawed thinking. Rich people, it's just what Jesus said. They can hardly enter into the kingdom because of their trust and the fear involved around keeping their riches. They are the most fearful people of all. If you get riches and then get Jesus, you have a lot to undo. But if you get Jesus first and then get supply, you are well set. But rich people, they spend their time keeping it. Well, that means they can't spend it. They got millions and they can't spend it because they're afraid that we need to keep a pad. We need to keep a little room around. Well, that number just increases to whatever they have. They can't spend it. I said rich people generally can't spend it. Are y'all here this morning? All right, all right, okay. So first things have the creative ability to bring these things. I want you all to get that. First things have the creative ability to produce these things. Now, these things are what Jesus said, all these things the Gentiles seek. First things have the ability to create these things. Now, I've just given you a principle from the kingdom of God. Some of you, it'll change your life. You'll meditate on it. Even from last week, you've been thinking about it, been considering it. Of course, this isn't a new scripture. This isn't in Hezekiah or something. This is, you know, we've read this, you've heard this, you've spoke this scripture over and over. But like I said, revelation has to come before it'll make a difference in your life. You've got to get it inside. It's not information like, oh, okay, two plus two does equal four. I'll use that someday. No, you've got to have a revelation of, Lord, what does first things mean to me? What does that mean? Something's got to go because, you know, I'm already tapped out. I'm already mad. We're already going full throttle. There's nothing left. So, Lord, if I'm going to give you something, something's got to go. Are you all listening? So I can't preach that. I can't tell you what that is. You got to have that because when you get it, the conviction and the, the patience to, to run that course and to keep it backed out of your life will have to be out of your own heart, out of your own faith. That's where people get in trouble is they get up and start preaching. Well, you know, your dress is too short and your hair is too long and, you know, you need to not go to movies here and you need to, you know, that's where that's wrong because, you know, if somebody else tells you what you need to do to make your life right, you resent it. But if you get it, you can live it. So we got to preach the word and live our convictions. There's no reasoning. There's no reasoning in your natural mind that you can go to and figure this out. You have to give yourself over to first things. Praise the Lord. Let's go to Mark chapter 9. Now, I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. It just seems good to talk to you about this in your life. Because after you got born again, if this was an evangelistic crusade, we wouldn't be talking about this stuff. It wouldn't do any good for us to talk about this stuff until we all were saved. 
I said, until you were born again, this stuff doesn't matter. You can't do it. There's nothing in you. You don't have, you don't have the ability to engage it. But now we're all born again. It's inside of us. It's, it's God's will for you to do it. But you're going to have to jump. I said, you're going to have to get radical. I said, you're going to have to do something to change your life. This is not paste it on, tape it on gospel. This is radical surgery. This Something's got to be removed. Something's got to be changed. If just having a resolve, just saying that's a good idea, or I think that sounds good, if that would work, we'd all be changed. And we are upgraded in our mind. But to get the kind of thing where all these things are added unto you, you got to change. you got to get a backbone to believe the Word. Because, see, this is the Word. It absolutely will work. I believe that you believe that it will absolutely work for anybody that would engage it in a radical way. But having the courage, having a boldness, having a backbone, having a spine to just say, what I've been doing is carnal. What I've been doing is self-centered. What I must do to live my life fully and completely and honorably before God is to change and do what God's Word says. And it becomes personal. It becomes me. It becomes I must. And from that moment, you take a stand and you begin to discern your life. You begin to analyze your life instead of saying, well, this is a good message for you. It becomes, he's preaching to me. The Lord's talking to me. He's giving me instructions. Like he asked Solomon, he's asking me, what do you want to do with your life? And he's going to ask you over and over. But the numbing of it by the com- re- repetitive questioning causes us just to say, oh, yeah, I, I'm, he's, he's, there's a crowd here. He's having to preach to everybody. I already got this down. That's the, that's the temptation. But if we just called a special meeting and you were the only one that were supposed to come and we called you and I got up here and said, I've got a message for you, Jonathan. Now pay attention because this whole message is totally for you. And look around. There's nobody else in the room. We're not talking to Susie and, and you would say, woo, talking to me. And when I made a point, you'd be looking around. Somebody else must have walked in the room, you know, that he's having to divert. No, it's to you. Well, you got to get this message to you. Say to me. To me. Let's say it better. To me. Where Jesus said this major principle, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that the Gentiles scrounge after, seek after, look for, shall be added, increased, and repeated unto you. Now, that's what he said. Now, do you want something more? You want verse 34 to say, and I promise this is the truth. And God told me to tell you that if you would do it, he would give you a sign. Go out in the backyard and see if the green lawnmower in the shed didn't turn red. And if it's turned red, you can believe this is God's word to you. No, he just said it, and it's in the middle of a lot of other stuff. So only the wise can pull it out and say, God's speaking to me, and this will change my life. And I'm going to embrace it as if I was the only one and he was talking to me now about, you better change your life, son, or it's not going to be well with you. You're going to spend your whole life scrounging like the heathen. We'd button up. We, we would change if the Lord came into the room at night and said, you better do what I said in, Mark, in Matthew 6.33. I told you that, and I expect you to live it. What are you doing with my word? We'd say, well, Lord, I just thought that was just kind of a general, you know, encouragement that, you know, you've got a promise for us. No, I was talking to you. And I expect you to embrace it now. What are you going to do with it right now? What's the first thing you're going to do to seek first my kingdom? We need to have an answer. If you want a Solomon answer from God, 
you're going to have to have a Solomon answer to God. Of Lord, I've been meditating that. That scripture has been burning in me. And I take that thing personally. And Lord, you have expectations on my life. My one and only life is valuable to you in the kingdom. I know that there's a stewardship here. And you've given me this as a key to bring glory to you and increase to my life and to be a testimony to the world and to your kingdom. And Lord, I'm on this and I'm working on it. And here's what I've done. And Lord, but I need more light. You've got to have an answer for the Lord. Instead of saying, wasn't that a nice message Pastor had this morning? I really got encouraged. Really? I don't remember it. What was it? He says here in Mark 9, and this is a real, this is a real revelation here. Um, verse 23. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Well, we know from Ephesians, from Galatians, we know that you already have the God kind of faith inside of you. So he's talking to you and I. This man here, he just had natural human faith, but he's talking to you and I and saying, can you believe Matthew 6, 33? Can you believe that? Because you only, like Debbie taught on Wednesday, you ought to get the tape of Wednesday. You ought to get that thing. That'll help you. Only things that we really believe are the things that we're doing. So you say, Lord, I do believe. Well, where's the proof? Where's the evidence? What are you doing? Well, I showed up on Sunday, Lord. What else do you want? Well, you know, Sunday morning's getting more and more valuable. It's, it's become something that, uh, that in your life, life of pressure, coming to services where there's like precious faith and the gospel going forth becomes precious. If you're out on a desert and there's just one glass, you would trade a gold bar for a glass of water in certain circumstances. And this word is valuable. I said this word is precious. So he said, all things are possible to him who believeth. And so I got to ask you, you got to ask yourself, what do you believe this morning? What do you believe this morning? What do our youth believe? What do you, teens, what do you believe? What do you believe, Currington's? What do you believe, Shires? What do you believe, Gan? What do you believe, Smith? What do you believe, Dents? What do you believe, teens? What do you got a conviction in your life? Well, you know, whatever, Daddy and Mama, you know, I'm just with them. You know, that's just not going to get it. Because then all of a sudden you're out of high school and you're away from Daddy and Mama, and you know, it's like, you know, and you're cut loose. You got to have a conviction here of what do I believe? Parents, you've got to have a conviction about what you believe. What do you believe? Well, I don't know. You know, I just believe what pastor believes, you know, and if I need no more, I'll know he'll know. You know, that's not going to get it either. You've got to have a conviction in your life that God supplies me and that my life is not spent trying to make a living. Go back to verse 32 there in Matthew 6, and we'll quit with this. Look what it says in verse 32. Because, you know, the world is weak. I said the world is weak. They will offer their lives up for the most nominal things. I'm ashamed to tell you that I was watching, I watched about 30 minutes of TV yesterday. We were just sitting there watching and sitting in front of the TV. Three commercials came on for new shows and embarrassed me. I was sitting there with my wife and it was, uh, it was uh, something desperate. I don't remember desperate somebody's housewives or something. And they, they showed what was coming up, and it was embarrassing. I, you felt like you'd been somehow dropped down an elevator shaft into hell, 
And the devil was showing you, this is my ultimate plan is to air these commercials. And all of a sudden you said, but I saw those. I just saw those. It couldn't be worse than this. Y'all, surely Jesus is coming back soon. It just seems like it's so perverse. And I know every generation has been assaulted in their sensibilities. And that every generation has taken the world and said it can't go on. Verse 32 in the understandable. Verse 32 says, after all these things do the Gentiles seek. I said, I'm not a heathen anymore. And the Lord Jesus was making a contrast here. He was saying that there's, there, there's them and then there's you. And so I'm thinking that if I'm doing what they're doing, is there any difference between them and me? He said, after all these things do the Gentiles. The understandable version says, after all these things, the unconverted Gentiles just keep trying to get. That's true. They just keep trying to get. And there's no end to it because it's unsatisfiable. Lust is unsatisfiable. You can't satisfy lust. As soon as you get the newest and the bluest, well, then all of a sudden, you know, you want something else. It's not just sexual. It's not just money. It's the same thing. And he said they never get to the end of it. They think that they're going to get to the end of it. See, that's what's crazy. They think they're going to catch up, and then they're going to serve God. It's not like Christians are saying, I don't want to serve God. I just want to go to heaven. No, they're all planning on it. Many of them have got a plan in the back of their head that says, when I get some things done, but Jesus said, do it first, because if you don't do it first, you will never do it. Anybody got a testimony about that? Anybody, you know, got off into that and said, you know, that's the truth. I know that's the truth. Whatever I didn't put first, it's like it never came. The uh, basic English says the Gentiles go in search of all these things. The Better Life Bible. Now, it's Better Life Bible. I just found it. It says, self-centered people often worry if they'll have enough food, water, and clothing for the future. But isn't that what the heathen are, just self-centered? Well, I said, we're not the heathen. I said, we're people that have a love and a heart for the kingdom. The, uh, the cotton patch says, for the people of the world go tearing around after all these things. Now, the inspired version, that's another version I just found, says, why is it that ye murmur among yourselves, saying... We cannot obey thy word because we have not all these things and seek to excuse yourself. Now, that just pretty much sums it up, is that people now are able to offer excuses that are not viable, they're not real, to tell God and then tell me as just the representative, just what I've been privy of, give the excuse of why they can't serve God. And what they think is valid. What they will tell me was, hey, I couldn't go, or I can't go, or I can't do. And then follows, if they give you reason, because almost all people feel like they have to explain. I say, if it's valid, just say, I won't be there. And you'll, you'll find people leaning forward, like, like, did you say whisper something and I didn't get it? Like, why won't you be there? Why won't you do that? But you don't have to tell anybody. Just say, won't be there, and you just know it's good enough. I've made it right with the, with the Lord. I won't be able to make it. Instead of fluttering around saying, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it, or, you know, we may be a little late, when in fact, when in fact, when in fact, they are not coming. It's guaranteed. You know, put it in the file of impossible. Will not happen. Because when people say, 
I'm going to try to make it, but I'm not sure, or we may be late, or I got something. You just know right there, they just don't have the guts to just say, we can't make it, and I've made it right with God. Well, you don't have to make it right with me, except I'm in charge of the schedule, or I'm going to have to take care of that. Back to what I was saying here. don't want to get off here. We cannot obey the word because we have not all these things and seek to excuse yourself. So people will tell me these wild-eyed excuses about what's in their life that they're putting in front of the kingdom of God. Now, they don't have to tell me. I'm not their God. I'm not their Savior. I'm not their whatever. But you just need to know the Lord doesn't have a little thing in there that says, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unless there's some really good stuff in the world that you're having to do then we'll just add all these things anyway. It's either the kingdom or you need to go to work. Scrounging for all these things. You just need to know if you're going to go in the world and play the world and put the world first and the kingdom second, which means not at all, then you just need to know that you are going to work. And you can just justify it. You can say over 2,000 years of church history, it's never been proven different. It's never, you don't know anybody, your own life wouldn't tell you any different than when I put God first, things went well, and when I didn't put him first, I had to go to work. And it was pressure, and it was the kids, and it was the job, and it was the school, and it was just my life just went that way, and it never got better. I thought it would, I believed it would, I had a plan, and I told my wife, you know, this is temporary, we're just, but we're going to, and it just sucked me in. And it never changed. Jesus is right. Jesus is right. He tells the truth. And when you do it his way, it works his way. And when you don't do it his way, it doesn't work. That's all. That's the end of it. That's, we can't just sit around and say, yeah, but that scripture's not for me. No, it's, it's truth. And if you want it, it will work. I've embraced it. I've embraced both sides. You know, as you work into this, more and more you give your life to the kingdom first. It's not a thing that you just slice off your whole life and just put it in there. You have to give it gradually because our soul's involved. We have to learn these things of how to give our lives to the kingdom first. Say first. And we're not talking about giving them at all. We're talking about giving them first. You have to prove it. You have to give him that thing first in one area, and you have to watch it and say, you know, I didn't notice it at first, and it's been a while, and I'm just looking back and thinking things are better. We have as much money. We have more time. We're, things are working out. And yet I still had time to pray. I still had time for the Word. I still had time to go to church. I still had time to, to draw aside and enjoy God. And yet I didn't see my life has still got everything in it. You ought to try it. We ought to test it. The tithe. You know, people are going to fight till the Antichrist stands up in, in the temple. They're going to be saying, the tithe don't work. It's just preachers trying to get your money or whatever. You know, it's pretty lame, but the Word says it. So you can just prove it. It's not like it's a secret that you have to put your life in an incinerator to try it and you don't get another chance. You can try it at will. You can put the money in the plate and then just wait and see how it goes. It's not, and you go, well, how much will it cost? 10%. And a heart of faith, not a thing that says, you know, let go and let God, or I'm going to try God. No, you really get in and say, Lord, I'm believing you. And it'll come out. I said, we can't all be foolish. Right. It'll come out. But you've got to do it first. 
And people, you know what people that tithe and complain are people that pay the rent first. You go, well, what difference does that make as long as he gets his? No, it's that first business. When you do it first, then the, the first pays the rent. If you pay the rent first, then you've got to go find the tithe out of your, your Walmart money. It doesn't help. The pastor was smiling the whole time he said that. I don't know how he thought we would be happy about that. You've got to do it first. You gotta, I don't know how you could do that, but you've got to do it first. You've got to give it. You've got to get it out of your life first. We're almost in violation of because our employer takes out FICA and, and Blue Cross. and They take that out before we ever get it. So the only thing you can do about that without just having a fight with the payroll department is just as soon as you get it is find out what the gross was and cut that thing out and give it. And you know when you present that thing to God in church, I'm preaching real good this morning, you present it to God, then in that little check, if it's $100, because you made 1000 they only gave you 900 but you grossed 1000 and you're bringing it to him first, you say, Lord, in this $100 is the rent and the car payment and the gas and lunch money and, and my husband's birthday present, you know, and my wife's Christmas present. <laughs> and Lord, it looks like a hundred couldn't get all that unless we were El Cheapos, you know. But Lord, it'll be everything the Gentiles are doing. It's in this hundred dollars. You go, how can that be? See, that's the wisdom of the kingdom of God. It's supernatural. You go, how can that be? Just hide and watch. My dad always said, just hide and watch. Just hide and watch. Well, you're making it up as you go. I've proved it. I said, I've proved it. That's just the money end of it. There's so much more, but that's the thing that you can prove undeniably. But you go in there, and you're at the end of the month, and you say, and, and you have a tithe check bounces at the church. Ooh, it stinketh. Ooh, that's a nasty little check. You just know that they did without their check. Of course, we cashed it. We went in there and we paid Alabama Power with your check that came at the end of your month after you'd already paid everything. We paid Alabama Power out, was proud of it. But you didn't get anything added to you. Oh, I thought he's going to be nice. This is sweet dreams, y'all. This is good news. Especially if you're going to pay it anyway. Especially. See, but you just don't wait till the end of the month to see if you can pay it. You just, by faith, all things are possible to him who believeth. I believeth. And I believeth now. And I put my tithe in. And I get myself to church. And the kids at their practice and the, the PTA and the, and the office party and the, all that stuff. Hey, we'll do that on Thursday. I'm available on Saturday. Call me on Monday. But Sunday and Wednesday, that's when we meet. It's just not an option. Why? Because I want all those things added. Why do you go to work? It's for all those things. So if you go to work and you work all day to get all those things, and then you submarine it by not getting him, the Lord, to add all those things, then you didn't do any good. Well, enough of that meddling business. Hallelujah. Praise his name. I said praise his name. He's so good, y'all. He's so good. He saved us from hell. He saved us from the devil. And then he said, while you're down here, even though your life's like a vapor, I'm going to make it so good that when you step over into heaven, you won't even hardly notice. Woo, thank you, Lord. But let's just say, let's just say, like we did last week, 
Let's just say, if you, there's a conviction here. I prayed, I believed, I think you did too. The Holy Ghost would help us.